0: On our play for this week, PlayStation is raising prices on Steam. What is PlayStation's next move after purchasing Firewalk Studio? Should you be excited that Netflix is working on a AAA game? We played Horizon Burning Shores and the Street Fighter VI demo. Should you play these games? All these answers and more on Season 7, Episode 16 of Press XSR Gamers Digest. What is up, everyone? I'm your host, DJ, aka Sexy Fat Choices. AKA. We need to talk about Sean's leadership skills. I am joined by <laughs> <laughs> Sean MF Ross. What the MF's there for?
1: <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> you deserted your post.
0: <laughs> Actually, I didn't get a chance to desert the post. <laughs> Gotta be ready for war at any time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about the what we've been planning section. Uh we are joined lastly but not leastly by
2: Hey uh, everyone. It's me, Avery. All right now
0: roll
1: that beautiful bean footage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right,
2: uh now you know who we
0: are. Press X Start Gamers Digest is a video podcast that condensed the most important gaming news from this past week into an hour-long meal just for you. We are live on YouTube. Every Sunday at 3 p.m. I was going to say, oh, Eastern Standard Time. That, that part's important because, you know. You don't know you do? I am, right? Um, so we hope you're hungry. We hope you're hungry. Don't forget, you can support us by liking the video, subscribing to the channel, and hit the notification bell. If you are listening, we would greatly appreciate you leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast services you are tuned in on. If you want to join our conversations, you can by joining our Discord at pressx2start.com slash Discord. It's it's in the text. You just just read the taxes there. You know, just it's real easy. All right. Um, now that we have all this taken care of for the second time, Avery, what's happening in the gaming world?
2: All right, yeah. Uh, our first story is from IGen. This is from Christina Alexander. Sony is quietly raising prices on its games on Steam in certain regions. So uh Reset Era user named Chairman Chuck pretty much spotted these uh price increases from the on Steam DB. Uh, and It is affecting Argentina, Canada, Chile, China, Colombia, Japan, and South Korea. Uh, these price increases vary wildly between game and actual increases. Some are increased by ten. Some are increased by multiples of maybe even hundred. There's no rhyme or reason, uh, and Sony hasn't communicated any information for why this is happening and why are these games. Uh, it doesn't seem to be. If I'm giving this a generous read, this has something to do with the various costs of inflation and uh, import-export tax in these specific regions, and that's why they've been changed, uh, and that's why the changes are so effectively random. If this was a more uniform thing over uh, more platforms, I would be more in line to think this is some weird, nefarious Sony move. That being said, it's a very interesting move to make, especially in the light of them saying that I mean, Microsoft uh, could manipulate the price of video games via the Activism Blizzard deal. Uh, yeah. But yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I like your spin on it where, like, you know, this could just be the shift in the market due to inflation. And this is how Sony is adjusting to that. Uh, the thing that I find interesting is that this feels pretty similar to when uh, PlayStation was like, oh, yeah, we're going to increase the price of the PlayStation in places other than the US.
2: Specifically the PlayStation 5. And yeah. Yes,
0: PlayStation 5. Yeah. And like, in, you know, places other than the US. And it's like, it seems like they're trying to. Eek out as much money as they can without exactly hurting the i don't want to say main demographic because like i feel like that's putting us first when you know
2: well we another. also need to recognize that these are the second this is steam this, these too. are the pc games for the most part all of these games playstation has already made the money they want with these games and this is just a supportive increase to the portfolio coupled with the fact that out of the belief that once you put a game on pc that you have to charge for all of its value disappears with the way the pc ecosystem works and yeah, that yeah. everyone and their mother will figure out a way to pirate and uh sell this game for cheaper than you are and while people say that oh people who put out digital games control the entire income of digital games uh, i would like to remind people that sites like g2a exists where they just find themselves keys to games and then just sell those games as if they were the same financial products. So the whole entire ecosystem is fucked up. I also did a good look of like Argentina. Argentina is on the peso. Uh, seven dollars in pesos is uh, 1259 So there's already a insane price discrepancy in these yeah. markets. So my hands are in the air. What's the average
1: cost of living and monthly income over there?
2: I didn't do that research. That was irrelevant to me when I was doing this.
1: It matters, but I hear you.
2: It, it matters, but it's like in the in the grand scheme of what I was specifically looking at. Of like, were these Steam games even being charged at seventy dollars? It clearly wasn't.
0: Yeah. Overall, this sucks for the, the PlayStation gamers in those regions that will be affected by this change in price. You know, it never feels good to well,
2: specifically not PlayStation gamers. Gamers in general, because a PlayStation okay. gamer would have played this yes, game.
0: Yes gamers who are interested in playstation games
2: there we go that makes that's more
0: yeah because yeah, you know it's just it, it sucks to be like oh wow i i'm i'm going to be paying more in the future for these games and that kind of
2: no it, it sucks it 100 it
0: sucks oh I, well i guess what i'm getting at is like i feel like for some people for some select people that might push them more towards pirating these games because it's just like i don't I'm already strapped for cash, and now you want me to be paying more for these? Like, all right, I guess I'll just have to find a way to play these games. Wink,
2: wink. So, you know. I mean, yeah, I'm of the mindset that once you put your game on BZ, just get rid of the zero income.
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah.
2: But that's a me personal thing. I, I, I have no data to provide that. It's just anecdotal information that I've used. But at, to that point... Uh, I rarely put up sales data because I think it's entirely relevant unless it's insane. So this is why I'm putting this story here. Uh, This goes in tandem with the first story. This is from Tom Ivan from VGC. US PS5 sales are now tracking ahead of PS4s on a time-aligned basis. So ignore this title. This is not even what I want to care about. Uh, The PS5 in March sold more than half a million units. I think the exact number is somewhere around 600,000. So what, what dropped in March?
0: they're just becoming more available They're they're just more available more okay okay okay
2: uh and then i think the actual number is like 365 percent more than what it's normally Normally, sells so crazy yeah that's an insane number
1: what's crazy is the numbers would have been bonkers if we didn't have the chip shortage and the scalpers and stuff i actually
2: think i actually think it wouldn't be bonkers I think if we had the chip shortage, like there were all, there's always going to be a constraint on these uh, systems yeah. at the start. I think the chip shortage coupled with the demand created a bottleneck that now that they're making more than they can sell, yeah, that the floodgate hit open. And now mm-hmm. we get an insane stat like this.
0: You know what? I wonder if because of the shortage, because of the whole, um, scammers like grabbing the console and stuff like that generated news articles that got even more attention on the console being released and like how scarce it was that like I wonder if that actually helped drive the rush to get the PS5 once it was more available versus I, it having a normal release like cycle
2: I don't necessarily know uh, I, I'm still believing in the fact that the supplies did not meet the demand and the demand just kept increasing so once mm-hmm. Supplies hit demand. They both uh, catalyze into this moment where you're selling this much in such a short amount of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's an insane stat that is good for PlayStation as a business. There are other stats for other systems that are less than ideal, but I see those more of a blip in the proverbial. Well, no. We'll see. Those are just numbers that need to be kept apparent in the long term. But yeah, interesting. Uh, I, to Sean's point of what came out, I don't know. Well, I, I, I admit, I honestly think it was just the uh, supply and demand hitting that fever pitch. I don't know what about March made a bunch of people decide that they desperately needed a PS5. I
0: I think, I mean, like, looking at this chart, like, uh, Resident Evil and Hogwarts Legacy. Like, Hogwarts uh, Legacy has been, like, selling crazy. So Resident Evil 4
2: think, is on PS4.
0: But it's also on PS5, though, right? Yeah. Maybe if you want that next gen shit. You know. Or
1: people yeah. are buying in a, in a advance of a Final Fantasy and like Street
0: Fighter and stuff like that. I mean, that could also be it too. I mean, it could just be the fact that there are just a lot of good games out. So people are just like, alright, well now it's time for me to upgrade now that there's a, a good amount of games to play. Yeah, yeah. I don't
2: think, I, yeah. Uh, before I move on, I just don't think it's a particular game. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to understand what factors may have caused x y and or z but we should move on to our next story uh yeah uh this comes directly from the playstation blog welcome firewalk studios to the playstation Studios family this blog is written by herman hulse who is the head of uh, playstation studios uh essentially early this week playstation bought firewalk studios uh firewalk is a studio that was started in 2018 uh, it was made by ex Destiny devs, and it was fundamentally a support studio that worked on games like Destiny, Call of Duty. Uh, I want to say Halo, but uh, you can't quote me on that. And then 2020, they were one of the big games that Sony announced that they were making second party partnerships. One, another one of those games was uh, Jade Raymond's Haven Studios, and the other one is Deviation Studios. So they are three years into their deal with Sony to make a AAA multiplayer game, and Sony has essentially. Spent the capital to make this studio exclusive to them, bringing Sony's a uh, number of first-party studios. I'm not sure if this is including support. I don't think it is. Two twenty.
0: Yeah. So we, because we talked about this on the Discord, and I was very much like, "All right, that this is fine." Like for the fact of them being a support studio, it, it was to me. It was like, okay, I I would like to see more of like proof in the pudding to have a better understanding of, like, how important the studio is. But I think it was on Jeff Grubb's podcast, he was talking about it, and he made a really good point that kind of changed my perspective on this, in that we know that PlayStation is working with them to make a live service game. It behooves PlayStation to continue this kind of partnership, and then if you stretch that out, they end up paying more money by not having them first party. So at, was that what you are trying to get to? Avery when we're talking on Discord? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. Like, that that makes sense in terms of, like, okay, put a ring on it because in the long term, you end up saving money versus...
2: That 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 entire argument is my my Square Enix uh, PlayStation exclusivity deal argument.
0: Oh, okay. Well, okay, okay. I can see that. In that perspective, I can see that too, yeah.
2: But I revised my Square Enix uh, forecast in that they're not buying them this year. I think a move Mm -hmm. like this, empties out the conference just enough that like making a square deal without like dramatic upper level sony decisions isn't going to happen anytime soon without transparency on what the deal in trials and like what work sony itself is putting into their games i don't think we're going to see any uh moving on that but yeah, yeah uh yeah we had a lot of talk in our discord about this move and it's very in line with playstation's ethos about how they pick up studios in that they work with a studio they form a relationship with that studio and then they buy them this, however, along with the Haven sort of like buyout is a evolution of what their traditional business model when it came to buying studios is, is that they've worked with these studios just enough to be like, we really like what is going on with these games. And then to your point, let's not have a live service multiplayer game where we're making 75% of the profits. Let's make 100% of the profits and we can go from there.
0: I also remember my my original point about the whole Steam game thing. It, it was just that... um. By them putting their games out on Steam, it's going to require more money on the support side for these games because there's going to be a bunch of different bugs that that they're going to be hit with. So it makes sense that they, you know, charge extra money. Yeah.
2: That was it. So I want to see what the odds and under is them picking up Deviation because if you've seen Deviation's uh, building, it looks like a first-party studio. (laughs) So (laughs) let's see what's happening with that. But since the partnership began in 2023, I mean, in 2020, I'm of the mindset that we will probably see what firewalk is working on this year yeah. i do think however they should probably change their name from firewalk to something else because sony also owns fire sprite and it's mm-hmm. actually kind of difficult to remember which studio makes what type of game
0: yeah all right um before we get into the thing that's happening with netflix games hey you do us a solid please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell. We are we are trying our best to be the best for you. Uh, if you are listening, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or podcast services you're using. It doesn't take much to do. It's pretty quick to do, and we will greatly appreciate it. It will help us in the long run and in the short run and in that weird medium run as well. Um, yeah, also, you can join Discord if you want. You know, if you want to have cool conversations with us, we're we're here. We're available all the time. Is just go to press X slash discord. I'll take you right there. Yes, it will. All right. With that being said, Avery, let's get back into Netflix and their gaming initiative.
2: Okay. So this is a weird story to talk about. It's got multiple parts and multiple. Uh, it's, it tells the story. Anyway, uh, our first part is from uh, Sissy Jing from Kotaku veteran halo destiny director joins netflix games so joseph satan who was the head of the halo games and uh recently left that has teamed up with netflix to make a triple a game there's a lot of sort of like trying to understand what this means with, what does a triple a game mean with netflix yeah. This is are where the second yeah. part of the story uh, taps in. This is from IGN, this is from Rebecca Valentine. Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals, is finally on the way with a July release date. So I think Nintendo had an Indie World Showcase, which we're not going to be talking about here, but they had an Indie World Showcase, and one of the games they showed off was Oxenfree 2, and they showed off all the platforms that Oxenfree 2 was going to be releasing on. Uh, It's going to be released on Netflix, so uh, effectively Netflix is going to either... Either the game has been restructured to work with Netflix, just like a standard remote, or it's... uh, one of those things where it's going to be a traditional game, but you're going to have to use your phone for it.
0: Yeah. So I think there was a story that happened either this past week or the week before where Netflix had a patent or something about yeah. the technology for yeah. the phone well, yeah. to use as a controller. Yeah. No,
2: my main uh, point with this is that whether the game would be streaming to Netflix cloud, like, or would it be something that would be native on the platform as a downloadable thing. So so that's where my uh, confusion with this is. However, it's on a bunch of other platforms. It was in Nintendo Indie World, so it's going to be on Switch. It's also going to be on PS4. It's also going to be on PS5. The only question mark there is why isn't this game on an Xbox platform? And I'm pulling this from uh, Jeff Gordon, who works for Windows Central, which is a very Xbox-focused website. So every article they put out has an Xbox lens to it, which leads to I find sometimes all the weird out-of-pocket things where I'm just like, oh, okay, you're a Microsoft fan. And that's what it ultimately means. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the interesting uh, takeaway I found is that Jez quote tweeted a Richard Hogue, who seems to be a lawyer, uh, who said that Microsoft Game Pass and Netflix both see themselves as competitors. Don't be surprised when the more tech-facing companies choose to isolate Microsoft. And Jen's quote free response was This is why acquisition is hyper important for Xbox. It's preventative on content blocks like this. For regulators like the FTC to want to reduce competition by undermining Xbox, show the dereliction of duty.
0: That's a really interesting perspective. Because I also think about how, I think, I believe this was Microsoft when they said that they don't really see PlayStation as a competitor. They see like the bigger services like Google, I guess in this case, Netflix as a competitor. And to see like Netflix do a move like this, and it's like, Oh, that might, that might actually have a little bit of weight. But then at the same time, it's like, all right, well, if you don't see PlayStation as a competitor, put Hi Fi Rush on PlayStation. You know, get that money. Do it. Yeah. But of course they won't. Well, the, they, well, they also see PlayStation as a
2: competitor. It's because they're weird. Their content release schedule makes absolutely no <laughs> sense. They, have, they say a lot of weird things. But yeah, that's, yeah. Like, that's the interesting point where I wanted to bring up here is that the interesting part that Microsoft has essentially put themselves by focusing everything on Game Pass mm-hmm. is, as a content platform is that. They're now knocking at the door with everyone else who's jumping into gaming in the subscription service. And uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see going forward because now we have a A game made by a former Halo dev, which is probably going to be on PlayStation and not on Xbox. And you can make the argument that why would they waste money on Xbox? And the thing I didn't mention in the PS5 sales was that Xbox was down 10% this month. Hmm. And so the consistent narrative that I've been hearing is that the Xbox is selling well. But we've now once again returned to the period of time where the PlayStation 5 is now eating Xbox's lunch as a console platform. And so right. it's it, it we'll see whether it's sales of the console, sales of the games, or game pass, which is going to be the tip of the spear going forward, especially with moves like this going forward. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hopefully Redfall and Starfield are quality and um I mean, I don't know. What what's past those two major releases for Microsoft?
2: Those are the those are the big two major releases of this year.
1: Yeah. Whereas yeah. Sony has a cornucopia
0: of shit coming out past. Yeah, I mean, this is this is just a, a weird place that Xbox is in right now because, you know, they could figure out another Gears game. They could bring back Blink's Time Sweeper. I mean, there's a lot of options, really. But, you know, what's going to sell? No, they're throwing
1: be the... $70 billion behind mobile games and and call of duty i I don't
0: really get their uh strategy other than own it all we might get a master chief crush you never know i'll download it play for a little bit
2: yeah (laughs) uh interesting uh and then yeah uh our next story is there was a ubisoft forward direct that showed up content So this is from tom ivan from bgc Uh, Ubisoft shows off Division Heartland and reveals Division 2's Year 5 roadmap. So first things first, I didn't know that Division 2 was still an active, ongoing game that was still getting active and ongoing content rollout. That's on me as a person who played about about two years of the Division. But they pretty much gave a content roadmap, which is like, here's four new seasons of new DLC for the people playing Division 2. They also showed off, I think the big focus was Heartland which is a PvEVP-focused game, and from what everything it looks like, it looks like they're just taking the Dark Zone portion of the Division, which is a portion of the game where you got high-tier loot by fighting enemies, and then had to fight player characters in order to extract that loot, and turning that into its own vertical of the Division franchise, a la a DMZ, uh, but more in line, even though the Division Dark Zone might be the first of its kind, uh, extraction looter-shooter.
0: In 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 a way, you can like look at the dark zone as like this is an instruction shooter, and then like the first person version of it was peeled off from this. But yeah, it's cool to see that they haven't given up on this game; that they're still supporting it. Um, like Avery, I kind of forgot that this was still being supported. I kind of forgot Heartland was still a thing. Does um, it have
1: microtransactions? Uh, the division two uh yes,
2: probably
1: then people are spending money on it it's still going i, I, I mean guess well, most games... I, not,
2: well no because like it's like destiny you buy the dlc for it
1: oh good point good point yeah, i meant like actual battle pass type you know microtransaction stuff
2: yeah as far as i can tell there isn't that but if we're talking about i only didn't think it was an ongoing thing because i stopped playing it and i stopped hearing about major updates at least in my sphere So, when I saw this, and they're like, oh, these are year five season updates, I'm like, oh, they've been doing continual seasonal updates of this game. I just stopped paying attention after the last big content rollout that I heard about, which is Warlords of... uh, New York, right? Yeah, Warlords of New York, which was released in 2020.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for what it's worth and what they've shown, I think it looks interesting. At the same time, man, you can really see the age of this game. So, that is kind
2: of... a weird way... Of, Division 2 is a 2019 game.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's a weird way of, of it being kind of concerning to me because in one way it is concerning, in the other way it's like if the game plays good, like, it's Division 2. Like, if you already like Division 2, you're going you're gonna to enjoy this, so you're not going to really care too much about the graphics, also because you're playing the different uh, DLC they've been releasing. So...
2: Yeah. Uh, to, wait. I'm sorry. I uh, put a pin on this. To answer Sean's earlier question, yes, the Division 2 has uh, microtransactions... But like Destiny, I think all of its microtransactions are only cosmetic stuff. Okay. So you can buy premium currency to get new apparel, which I remember from the original Division Two when I was playing it. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah, I can I can
1: see why it's still popular. Then it, I mean, it had a large player base, and you have microtransactions to spend money on it if you like it. Yeah,
0: it looks cool. Um, I mean, are you guys are interested in this? Are you guys gonna play it? i played it and it was okay oh at this point whatever man
1: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not large enough to really give a shit whatever
0: <laughs> oh man <laughs> so yeah what's your take on this
2: <laughs> yeah so heartland Uh, the dark zone was not my favorite part of the division two or division anything. I rarely touched it. Like I, because I played the division as pretty much a single player game. Mm. Uh, once I beat the main campaign, I found no real reason to like grind for more gear and like raise my like gear score and things like that. So like the idea of, Oh, this is the end game of this game, going to the dark zone and getting brand new gear to raise your gear score. That never appealed to me. I also really don't risk reward games. Despite me being the Souls fan in this one, uh, risk reward works when it's me versus a computer that I can predict. Risk reward doesn't work when it's me versus I don't know another player another that I have to deal with, and so I've never really uh, drifted towards extraction shooters. I have played a little bit of Tarkov just to understand why it got so popular, and I can see I can see the appeal if you're a shooter fan and you want a more hardcore, unforgiving experience, so the, the idea of what a Souls experience is, man, this doesn't really appeal to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm of the mind, like, if you guys jump in, I'll give it a shot, but other than that, I I'm okay with, with passing on this. I just, like, Division 2, I enjoyed my time with it, but it never, it never had the hooks on me where I was like, oh, I need to go back to that experience, to the fact that I wasn't even aware that there was more DLC content to it. Um, so yeah, that's uh, the format. All right, well, what's next?
2: Yeah, and then our sort of final story, uh, which will, I guess, dovetail into what we've been playing, is that Capcom had a 420 hold up hosted by Lil Wayne uh, hey. preview for Street Fighter 6. Smoke weed every day. Uh, so this is from Adam Bankhurst from IGN. Street Fighter VI demo announced alongside Year One DLC fighters and single-player world tour details. So, essentially, they had a big showcase for another big showcase to show off more Street Fighter VI before its launch. I think they focused a lot on the single-player world tour mode and, uh, what that is going to be. Uh, so if you're interested in that, you should check out these, uh the showcase. However, the most interesting thing to me about this is that they announced also the first year of DLC for Street Fighter 6, a la what characters are going to be added to the roster. Uh, And this, unfortunately, coincides with all the leaks we had when this game was first announced. And so the characters of Aki, Akuma, uh, Rashid, and Ed aren't going to be the final four characters in the base game, but will be the first four characters in the DLC.
0: That's disappointing. Because I, I really love me some Akuma. So to know that I have to wait such a long time to get him kind of sucks. But, you know, that's their plan. That's their plan.
2: They also revealed that there's going to be a demo free to everyone on PlayStation 5. There's going to be further demos for uh, other platforms after this fact. But the first wave of the demos for PS5 for, were for PS5 that just came out. Gotcha.
0: Um, we should just jump into what we've been playing. We could just talk about it in that way, right? That makes
2: sense. Yeah, right?
0: that's right. fine. So um yeah hey there goes gaming news now it's time for what we've been playing guess what we've been playing the Street Fighter Six demo all right um so yeah I, I played the demo I'll talk about the War Tour section first and then the actual you know game of Street Fighter because everyone knows what the game of Street Fighter is the War Tour section is very interesting um so you get to use a, a create a character engine to build out your your perfect Street Fighter character and I think it does a really it is very in depth. Yeah, it's very in-depth. Like I, I really like how detailed you can go with like your muscle structure and like how wide your shoulders are and how narrow your shoulders are versus how big your butt is or how small your butt is. It's cool. It gives you a lot of detail. You can even make like, a big hand, big feet guy. Uh, or you can make a cool. uh,
1: regular-sized person with small hands like a uh, president. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, because of my skin color, I, I have to talk about this. Um I think the hair options is still limited. Uh you get a caesar cut and you get dreads. That caesar cut is weak, bro. Hey, the dreads are hilarious. Oh, shout out to a little Wayne for um he was he was used the perfect amount for this whole showcase because he was on screen for maybe a total of 5 minutes and they made sure to cut to different parts of his whole like presentation. They used the best mm-hmm. bits. Good job on them for doing the best they can to make Little Wayne work in this context. But yeah, back to the uh, World Tour stuff. Um, yeah, so when you put the locks on, the locks look cool, but when you put a hat on the locks, the locks does this weird like right angle thing, and it frames the character's head in such a weird way. I'm just like, you guys didn't... You had to mm-hmm. test for this. You had to have known that this Somebody's is going to happen. Like, this looks good.
2: Right, right, exactly. They
1: didn't
0: ask me to test it, I'll tell you that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How does how does headgear look with every other type of hat that you put on it?
0: You only get one in a demo. So I don't know if that's just a problem. No, he's saying the other hair types. The other other hair types. I don't know, but the locks, from what I remember, the locks is the only real like flowy, like thick hair
2: what i'm guessing is what they probably did is that they have one head model for a hat and so they put the hat on and it whatever hair it is has to conform to what the hat is instead of yeah. being a more separate thing that like these are two objects interacting with each other
0: yeah like you can tell that the the locks um i guess the effect of the locks is built off of the effect of long hair because it looks like it is breaking like long hair would break but it just looks weird because they're locks, and it just it just looks weird. Like it's it's one of those things where if they saw it and cared about it, they probably could have fixed it. But you know, they got a bunch of different hair types, so they probably just didn't have the time. That's understandable. Whatever. Um, the actual World tour mode is interesting in that uh, you basically play as a new student, and Luke is your teacher. Luke is also a new character to this. Uh, he's like a he's he
2: in Street Fighter Five. Was he? Yeah, he was oh, the last character right. released in Street Fighter Didn't this realize. Is sec- well, this is the second time I've had to remind you two of you about <laughs> this.
0: <laughs> well, as Avery corrected me, Luca's it's period, is Street Fighter five. Um, so he is your your dojo guy. I don't guy remember and that <laughs> And then you also have a rival named Boss. It should have be been named Gary because, better name. Um, and you guys just tour the streets and you fight. You can fight anyone. You can put hands on anyone in the streets, except for like the one cop guy, which is weird. But other than that... For a minute, I
1: was head. a woman beater because there were no <laughs> men to fight on the street, so it was just like, what's going on here? <laughs> are the men all hiding, or <laughs>
0: all <right. laughs> the women around here just tough? or <laughs> explain something uh, to me. <laughs> so, the other uh, new thing for Street Fighter 6 that kind of works in World Tour in a way that I didn't really like is that there are different ways of playing the game. So you can play the game the classic way, where you have the six-button Controls like light punch, medium punch, heavy punch, same for kicks. There's also like a Smash Brothers way where you have a light attack, medium attack, and heavy attack, and the special attack button. I played that way a little bit, but because I'm so ingrained with how Street Fighter works, like I just couldn't wrap my brain around like properly playing that way. And World Tour, the demo is, it has you stuck in the like Smash Brothers way of playing it for the entire thing. And that, like, messed me up so much because I'm not accustomed to that. And I'm sitting here playing as this character. I'm just like, all right, well, let me just do this medium punch thing. And it just does a something that I wasn't even, like, prepared for. So that that kind of was an issue. But, like, after you beat the World Tour mode, which is, like, about an hour or so, it's it's very short, um, you see the option of, like, oh, yeah, you can switch to Classic mode. But you don't actually get to do it because the demo ends. You start the whole thing over. Overall, I had a good time with world tour mode. I think it's interesting. Um, in the trailer, they show you at different locations, and you get, like, different moves and stuff. You can use the moves to uh, unlock different areas, er- or get to different areas in the world. That all sounds cool. I didn't really get any of that in the demo itself, so hopefully, when the game releases, that stuff works, and it's enjoyable experience. What was your experience with this, uh, Sean? Um...
1: I didn't mind the modern fighting mode because I'm a casual fighting game person, so whatever, you know what I mean. Um, Real
0: talk, Sean was talking major smack on Discord, talking about "Oh, I lay, lay hands on you! I lay hands on you!" I did lay hands on him.
2: I, I want to confirm. <laughs> I want to confirm that Sean also was talking a lot of major smack. Uh, normally, I wouldn't be in DJ's corner, but as someone who's played <laughs> a lot of games with DJ, Sean doesn't want this smoke. <laughs> 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 Sean doesn't want this smoke if dj wants to dedicate himself to getting good at a fighting game you don't want this mo <laughs> i'm top five in our group when it comes to smash brothers and i'm like every time i go against dj it's a coin flip of am i gonna play good or is he gonna pull out some bullshit and i'll lose
1: <laughs> dj i will ask you this was i as much of a pushover as you thought i would be
0: no no he, he did pretty good he did pretty good I I will I will give you your props. You did good. I I was that that's why I was asking. I was like, oh, well, have you played Street Fighter before? Because I I didn't know. Like, oh, this this guy could be a hidden pro. You know? Just, was,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> I'm I'm I am extremely casual. I will play a fighting yeah. game when it comes out for a little bit, and then I don't have anybody else to play against. So I mean, like, you played competitively. I'm not gonna say professionally, well, but so, I mean, you yeah, you yeah, yeah. you played enough to know combos and stuff. I play, you know. Hyper casual, whatever. So Yeah, yeah. You know, I get you, I get you. I, I was just going by the old 90s rules. I'm going to fuck up you <laughs> perfect. You ain't about to push me over. That's all. I, I won a few matches. Yeah, yeah. Cons- did, did. Considering I was using Luke, you know, we were mm-hmm. both using Luke. Like, what the hell is this moveset? Yeah. You know, once I switched to Ryu, I was doing a little bit better. And then, you know, I switched back to the classic, you know, game modes. So, I mean, yeah. I, I won a few matches here and there. But did, um did, it was fun. You're one of those three part the
2: movie people. <laughs> oh
1: gosh. Um what's interesting is we were able to get multiplayer working through PlayStation Shareplay. Um yeah, shout out to that because that was I didn't even think about that. He forgot he forgot that existed. It didn't Holy have God. too much lag. Uh is it one honest. of those
2: services that DJ's gonna talk shit about and forget it exists. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um okay. cause, I, I, at first I was like why wouldn't they just allow online multiplayer um but then I realized it's not a uh, PlayStation exclusive so yeah. really what we did was a little workaround that you know kind of worked seamlessly
2: how much of the demo was the world tour and how much of it was the actual street fighter game cuz I'm betting that the reason they didn't focus on any of the multiplayer is that because mm-hmm. they wanted people to play the world tour and demo that
1: Yeah
0: yeah that's exactly the reason why
1: So you had the what the hell is it called a fight thing on the right I don't know they have the world fight tour the battle grounds. hub and fighting grounds um you only had access to Ryu and
0: Luke and you know there was you the one on one there a 1v1 Luke and Ryu like yeah. it was very bare bones where it's like normally you get Ryu and Ken but they gave you Luke instead and like that was yeah. it like there was no other characters you yeah. only could get uh-huh. one stage and then like the practice I think stage. you
1: could play like uh Three matches before it kind of kicked you on. You had to go back in there. Yeah, that too. And then yeah. uh, the world tour, you could run around and fight as many people as you wanted. Granted, once you fight somebody, you can't fight them again. At least in the demo. So I mean, but there was a lot of people in the town square for you to fight. Um, right. I think it maxed me out at maybe like level five. Um, oh, you got
0: farther than I did. I didn't even reach five.
1: Yeah, I, I, I laid hands on damn near everybody in the town square. <laughs> um. <laughs> And uh, it seemed pretty expensive. I, I I think it'll be fun to play this when it comes out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I also ended positively in my experience. Like, I'll be interested to see, you know, where they go with it. If they just treat it as like, oh, this is just a new mode that we're kind of pushing. Or if they really try mm-hmm. to, like, here's, like, Easter eggs from the, the first Street Fighter. or Here's, yeah. like, Street Fighter. Like, if they do stuff like um, that, I think that'd be super cool. But we'll
1: see. I I f- I understand why they included a modern mode because uh they can't keep on putting money into games like these because comparatively the fighting game community is small but dedicated they have to bring in new blood and not everybody wants to learn the classic mode of you know
0: learning these fifteen thirty hit combos and all that good shit yeah I mean I'll say for as long as I've been playing Street Fighter doing the like down four down four twice to like heavy punch like that stuff is mm-hmm. hard to like pull off and like stuff like that will push more casual people away because she's like i don't i yeah. i'm barely like figuring out how to do these new moves now i have to press the thing i twice can't even block why do i have
2: to yeah right yeah right
0: <laughs> like, I, I totally get it like i think I yeah, I, I'm probably gonna give that mode some more love too, just to see like if I really don't drive with it, or if it's just like, oh, you just gotta spend some more time and it's, it's a better mm-hmm. system, so you know. So, all right, uh, the other game was uh the new DLC from Horizon Forbidden West, Burning Shores. Uh, Avery, since I'm talking a lot, you can go ahead and uh,
2: no, you give keep us on.
0: your. Oh, all right. Well, um, so uh, I played about. I don't know exactly how far I am. I've played about maybe like three-ish hours of this. Apparently, it's like a five hours or so experience. So I don't know. I'm by the Hollywood sign. Avery, is that like am I close to anything?
2: I would say that if did you go to the Hollywood sign for a mission, or did you just go to the Hollywood sign?
0: I at the mission where um what's her name? Skyla? Seika. Zeka, I was not even close. Where Zeka takes you on the boat, and then you go up the hill, and you see a Hollywood sign on your left, but you go to the right.
2: No, then you're nowhere close. Oh shit! Okay, well, never mind. There's go a over. mission at the Hollywood sign.
0: Oh, okay. All right, all right. Well, well, that's where I am. So obviously, I, I got some more hours in this. Um, I had a very weird experience with um, with Horizon when I first jumped in. I immediately felt the age of that game. I jumped in. I was supposed to play um. Forbidden West, and to get like more re with how that game plays. I didn't do that, so I jumped in with the DLC, and I got just bodied in every direction, because if you know when you beat that game, you have apex versions of monsters just running around, ready to lay hands on you, and they did, because I just didn't I didn't remember any of the stuff for for to my, up
2: Frozen Wilds. <laughs> that is well, that, that is my same experience with this game, and it's one of my knocks against it, but I don't blame the studio. Is that man? Yeah. You guys gotta if you are going to make DLC for this game, it has to come out in the year this game comes out. Cause if you wait a nearly a year afterwards, I'm gonna come back into this game. And this is what a minor criticism I had about Forbidden West over uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. When I played Horizon Zero Dawn, it was like Poetry, it rhymes. Like I understood that game. it was, It's one of the reasons why I hold that game as one of my favorite PlayStation games. And I, I hold it over other games and get not yelled at, but people give me that. Well, This man, you can't trust any of his opinions because he has this, this, <laughs> this hot take. Whatever. Fight me. Your game isn't that good. Uh, But no, when I played uh, Forbidden West, that same muscle memory wasn't there. I couldn't recognize why it wasn't there. I think it was fundamentally the different enemy designs Coupled with the complexity of the game, there's more things that you need to recognize. There's more ways to traverse. There's more ways enemies can attack you. And I guess that loop doesn't. It wasn't in my head. So me jumping into this game, it's like DJ said, I had no idea what I was doing. Like ninety five, I forgot seventy five percent of the basic like rhythm of how to play this game, and it took me. Three or four hours to get acclimated to a part point of the game, playing We're like, okay, I understand to play this game. Like, I didn't die that much playing Forbidden West. I died like every major encounter playing this DLC.
0: Damn. Bro, the new frog thing?
2: Yeah. Damn. 100% the most annoying thing <laughs> I've ever played in Horizon game. Like, straight up. Like, yeah. they make you spoiler fight a, splinter, uh, a Slaughter Spine at a certain point. And I'm like, uh, fighting that frog was way more annoying than this fucking thing. <laughs>
0: okay okay yeah like so yeah because I, I went through a lot of emotions playing what i played like i didn't even beat this thing i had the same like issues as everywhere before i even jumped into the dlc i fought the hippo uh i don't remember the name of it the hippo robot monster thing and it yeah. was two of them and they just took turns wrecking my shit and I just like, I was just like, oh, this ain't good. This ain't like if I can't even beat these things, like I'm I'm not, I'm not in good shape. So it took me about like three hours or so to really get back into the groove, like similar to what Avery is saying, where it's like, okay, I, I know melee, like uh, and then also meleeing this game is I will say going back into this game and meleeing. Hey, look, you guys are right, all right. Melee is not great in this game. <laughs> it's just not great in this game. Um, and then on top of that, like for me, a lot of my um a lot of my muscle memory is kind of still stuck in Wild Hearts. And that game just plays very differently from this. Like for the fact that when Aloy gets knocked on the ground, she is on the ground thinking about her life for about a minute, and then she gets up. And that is just so frustrating. It's like, come on, just tech roll. Like, just get up. Come on, we got stuff to do. So, like, all that stuff just kind of weared on me a little bit. Um, But, yeah, fighting that frog, the new monster, I think that whole fight scene sort of, for me, put in front the issues that this game has when dealing with, like, flying enemies. Because... You have to deal, like, at at a certain part when I was fighting that monster, or the the robot frog, it had a bunch of its little flying egg things around me, because I wasn't focused on that, I was focusing on the frog. And it's just like, I need something to deal with all of you all at once. And then I go into my inventory, and I was like, I don't got any ammo to to craft this, like, my exploding like ball thing. So I'm just like, I guess I'm just going to run around for a little bit. And it's just like, all right, I I know I'm to go.
2: I didn't have that issue with the flying enemies. For me, they really? died in one shot.
0: So that's another thing, too. I didn't platinum the game. So when I ended, oh, okay. I didn't even have... Yeah. So I didn't even have, like, the, the, the legendary armor. Or leg- like, I had one legendary bow, and the others were just, like, epic or whatever. So, like, I knew that I was going underpowered, but it was more so just, like, how complicated or how complex that game is and just, like, all the different ammo stuff you got to worry about. I'm just like, I just I just want to, like, press a button and craft all the ammo for this one weapon versus like that, the individual. Yeah, that is yeah. yeah,
2: that is something I would appreciate in future in the next Horizon game of like have an easier means to craft ammo. Yeah. But I okay, so I am the only one who beat this game. I will say it took me around ten hours. But I would say it took me about ten hours because I early on I did a lot of these side stuff in the game. My first thing is that I didn't like the fact that this. Burning Shores is a completely new area and not just a add-on area to the current map. So it's one of those things where I have to check myself, but, like, you don't really have access to the rest of the old map until you beat Burning Shores. Because that's the only time I notice that if you scroll up from the Burning Shores area, it just goes back up to the old map.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
2: So like maybe you should check because when I when I opened up I, I zoomed out I was like oh just just a new area like there's like little invisible walls prevent you from going anywhere outside of that direction I would have preferred yeah. that that's a minor critique uh uh two I am not LA versed enough to like understand the landscape of that place to really get into its like nitty gritty of it as an environment I recognize the Chinese theater I recognize uh. Uh, the Hollywood sign, but that's about it in terms of L.A. as a landmark. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think they did enough with the Burning Shores aspect of the area in regards to how often it appears and how much it differs from the environment, because it fundamentally just looks like more Horizon as a map. Uh, yeah. There's some unique uh, structures in there that differentiate it from the rest of Horizon, but in terms of like just traversing the regular map, it seems about all there. Uh, well, I've already talked about gameplay. They introduced a bunch of new Legendary equipment, but they only really fundamentally change except for one new uh, piece of equipment, which I will spoil: is Aloy gets a gun in her hand uh, that, that thing that she you can lock on with it, and then it will auto fire upon all enemies that like when you just hold the trigger. It's a really powerful thing that does a lot of build up damage, but it's one of those things where it's a kind of an awkward weapon to use because I, one thing I realized in Horizon, as we're going back playing, it doesn't really it doesn't really have that precision that you want in terms of gunplay. So it kind of fires like a shotgun. So, like, you kind of have to auto-lock to get the fire effectively. Oh. And I ha- didn't remember this, but uh, this game has a stamina system where, like, certain abilities you have to, like, spend stamina to use. So I'm like, I didn't remember this from the thing. So, like, every time you hit the lock-on, it spends stamina. Uh, in terms of the world-building, it's very interesting. The uh, antagonist of this area is very interesting, uh, Alondren played by Sam Witwer, who who, if you play enough video games and and care enough about Star Wars, you will recognize this dude from a mile away. He's playing a very transparent and long-rated muskrat. And he's a a fun antagonist in that sort of pomp, like big blockbuster circumstance thing. Uh, In terms of the narrative, okay. I've always been the Aloy defender on this podcast and me liking her, liking her personality, liking her story, anything like that. This is probably the most human they give Aloy in her back and forth interactions mm-hmm. with the character of Seika. And if you've already seen the internet, you've already been spoiled about what this means about Aloy's character going forward. And I think it's an interesting direction, which I don't like that they did in DLC as a person who mm-hmm. is a who has spent I don't know, since Horizon 1, trying to get Aloy to jump on Varl and got, like, uh, blindsided by him being with another character and then him dying. I'm, like, was not happy how that turned out. And so the uh, ending sort of relationships that Aloy builds in this series, I find a little bit underbaked, if that makes sense. I like the characters in themselves, the new characters they introduce, but in terms of how, when we get to that the most uh, crescendo of the game, I'm like, this is a little underbaked. Now, This game has the coolest final boss of the horizon, like not in coolest final boss, coolest enemy encounter in any horizon game. Just point blank period. Really? It is a multi-stage, like exploring a large section of the map, fight against an enemy that is actually really hard and really unforgiving, but is uh truly one of the most dynamically interesting sequences I've ever seen in a horizon game. So I was like, kudos for that. Uh this is a piece of DLC that you have to play. If you care about the story of Horizon, you have to mm-hmm. play this game because it I makes mean. changes to the Aloy character and may or may not introduce new characters and new uh, plot points for Horizon 3. This isn't a Frozen Wilds where like you can play Horizon 2 and not even touch Forbidden Wilds. I'll be Frozen Wilds and not like feel any effect of that. Mm-hmm. But if I go into Horizon 3 in which I think they're going without playing this, uh, you'll be missing a lot of context going forward.
0: Okay. That's good to know, actually. Because I, I was like playing it, I was like, oh, okay. I, I wonder how much this will affect the story of, of Horizon 3. Um, uh, the the other side to this that I was like thinking about playing this game, especially coming from Wild Hearts, is that the leaked um video and pictures of the multiplayer horizon game that's supposed to come out at some other point. And like I I wonder if they are looking at this, looking at the critique or the criticisms that are being thrown at Horizon in terms of its gameplay, in terms of the ammo uh, crafting. If we will see that stuff alleviated in the multiplayer experience, or if it's just going to be like, no, nah, this is going to be
2: it depends on what from Horizon, yeah, it depends on what type of multiplayer experience it is. If it is just yeah. a multiplayer mode in Horizon, then no. Because, like, right. they're that'll be mimicking two games, but if this is definitely a bespoke, we're trying to be more of a monster hunter 100%. They will have all the uh ammo crafting will probably be there, but I don't think you'll be able to carry 12 weapons with a eight weapon weapon wheel. It will be like, all right, this is the weapon you use, so this is the only thing you need to worry about crafting. Like It'd
1: probably be like specialist or something where you get two different types of weapons. That's it, mm. yeah, craft or yeah. a bow or you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, so I'm. Overall, like I, I enjoy my time playing this, so I'm plan on beating it and getting more of that juicy uh uh apocalyptic techno story. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. You know what it is. That that's that's pretty much that. All right. So that has been it for Press X to Start Gamers Digest. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. We hope. That you enjoy this episode so much that you will like the video, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell. We hope that you liked this episode so much more that you will also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or podcast services you are using. Even if you're not using it, just go ahead and just sign up and leave us a review because we appreciate it and we need it because it keeps us going. Mm. And you want us to keep us going, especially for next episode. It's going to be a crazy one. I think. I hope. Um, Yeah. Okay. I think we did. I think we've secured the bag. We have another good episode out. So, viewer, keep playing games. Keep washing your hands. Because, boy, you don't want to get sick nowadays. And be safe. Say hi to your friends. Say hi to your family. And have a good day. Bye. Later, y'all.